Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Thurman Scrivener again today with the Living Savior Ministries. Let's come to the Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, my brother, my Savior, my advocate, my attorney, my Lord, and my God. Father, I thank you for what Jesus did when he came to this earth. I thank you, Lord, for the word. I ask you, Father, now as the word goes out, that you'll bless these words, that you'll use them mightily to bring many souls into the kingdom, to set people free, and show them how to get their prayers answered. I praise you and thank you now as the word goes out. And Satan, I rebuke you, and I command you to get your hands off of every man, woman, boy, and girl that will be listening to the word of God that I teach today. May you not steal a word out of anybody's mind or heart today, Satan. I rebuke you and command you to leave in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I ask you to take the mighty word of the living God and ask you to quicken it to everyone's heart and use it mightily today to bring great glory and honor to the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I'm going to do a little bit more teaching or talking about this mysterious thing about prayer. I, I've come to realize that it took me most of my life, uh, most of my life to learn how to pray and to pray where I could get my prayers answered, where I could see the Lord do great and mighty things. But still, even at that, I feel greatly privileged by the, for the King to have revealed these things to me because I know many, many men and women that's even older than I am that never learned how to pray and see direct results from their prayer. Now, you know, when you read the Word of God, when, especially when you read a scripture like Ezekiel twenty-two thirty-one, this this mystery uh, of prayer is absolutely amazing uh, because so few people pray. Now then, in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty-one or 22, 30, and 31. Now, this was during a time of national apostasy. And God said, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and their own way have a recompense upon their heads. Now, in this scripture we just read here, we see God seeking to avoid exercising just and deserved judgment. He himself longs to spare the nation. But strangely enough here, he is helpless without a man, without an intercessor. Now, if no one will intercede, God cannot withhold judgment. Why should he be dependent upon the prayers of a man to defend the nation from the judgment to which he himself wishes to withhold. Now, God is the almighty and supreme sovereign of the universe. He is himself the ultimate judge, jury, and executive and enforcement authority. Or is he? Think about that. If he longed to withhold judgment against his people, if he yearned to show mercy, why did he not exercise his supreme sovereignty and do so? regardless of the prayers or lack of prayers of any man. Moreover, since God's will is supreme in all things, when he wills or plans certain uh, divine purposes, such as the salvation of a soul or a revival in a specific area, why doesn't God, why doesn't he just arbitrarily go over our heads and carry out his will? Why did he set up a system which made him dependent upon a man? Now, when you stop and think about this, this is a very baffling mystery. Uh, in fact, I, I've, I've talked to lots of people, and I know lots of people don't believe what I'm going to teach you in the next few days on this program. But, you know, it looks like that God can do nothing except in answer to a prayer, and not only just a prayer, but a prayer of faith of a redeemed, born-again man or woman of the king of the universe. He will do nothing in the realm of human, human redemption 
since its inception outside of the scheme of prayer and intercession, and it is indicated, you know, that here that God is absolutely, he is doing everything he can to invite us to prayer and to pray. He not only invites us to pray, he entreats us to pray. He urges us. He even begs us to exercise that privilege. You know, the Word of God in Matthew 7, there is some absolutely all over this book. When you read these things, you'll find scriptures like this. Ask. I ask you to ask. Seek. Seek, knock, and I urge you to knock. Evidently, God can do nothing without our prayers. He not only invites and exhorts us to pray, he also commands us to pray. He says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now that's Matthew 9, 38. Have you ever stopped to think? In fact, before I learned that, I used to, I used to pray for God to do something to save someone. And I never saw anybody got, get saved. Finally, one day, I began to understand that the only reason people are lost is because 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says if there's any lost, they're lost because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their mind to the gospel. When I learned that people are lost because the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded their mind to the gospel, I started taking authority over the devil and his demons and commanding them on behalf of Luke 10, 19, and 20 to leave these people. And then after I have commanded Satan in the name of Jesus to withdraw his demons of doubt and unbelief from a particular person that I had met that was lost and demand them to leave, then I would take this magnificent scripture in Matthew 9:38, and after I had commanded the demons of doubt and unbelief to leave that person, then I would ask the Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, to send the Holy Spirit to so-and-so and begin to convict them of sin and draw them into the kingdom of God. And then I would do what he said here we just read out of the scripture in Matthew 9:38, that the Lord would send the labors into the harvest to bring these people in. Now then, I realize here that the harvest is his and the labors are his. And then why should he stand helplessly by while urging men to pray reapers into the fields? Why does he send forth labors only in answer to the prayers of the redeemed? That's kind of amazing, isn't it? But until you learn this and begin to believe this and begin to do it God's way, you'll never see very many people saved. But when you begin to do it, like God says, you will find out that the fundamental importance of this scheme of prayer in God's economy is further emphasized by God's binding himself unequivocally to answer. Now, God promises to answer prayer, and they are so sweeping and categorical over such a broad spectrum as to constitute a blank check in other words, it's, it's just amazing as I begin to read these scriptures, I begin to see in many places in the Word of God where the Lord himself had literally given us a blank check. In other words, it's kind of like when Jesus went back to the third heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection. He walked up to the safety deposit boxes of all the blessings in heaven. He put his key in and turned it. And then he told his father, he said, Now, Father, I gave unto my church the keys of the kingdom. And whatever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So since he opened his side of the box, when we find the key to salvation and we put our box, our key in our, in our box by faith and turn the key for salvation, we get born again. And that's how simple it is. If you never find it, it was a free gift. If nobody prays for you, and nobody kicks the devil out of you, then you die and go to hell and spend eternity with the devil. Now, God has absolutely bound himself on this earth to the prayers of faith of his saints. If we don't pray, nothing's going to happen. Now then, it is as though God has handed us 
his scepter and begged us to use it. Now, here are some more examples. Let me quote some of these scriptures that I, I know here. And whatsoever you, you shall ask in my name, that will I do. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's written in John 14, 13, and 14. Now, when I got a hold on these two verses, I might just tell you just a few months ago, uh, my little granddaughter, which was laying in the hospital with her face, looked like it'd been run through a meat grinder after an automobile accident. It was cut and lacerated and bruised all over. I mean, it was terrible. I took those two promises in John 14, 13, and 14, where the Lord clearly says, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I would lay my hands over her face every day, and I would quote that magnificent verse to the king, and then I would ask him to completely restore her face without a single mark or a scar and make her face completely, perfectly beautiful, just like it was before the wreck. And in two weeks' time, in two weeks' time, Many times a day, I did this many times a day, morning, noon, afternoon, night, many times a day, I quoted that verse to the king, those two verses, and within two weeks' time, my granddaughter did not have a mark or a scar on her beautiful little face, and she is fully recovered. It is absolutely, wonderfully amazing and awesome what God will do for you if you will just believe his word. I think it's time the church started believing his word and started acting upon God's word so we could see him do these great and mighty and awesome things for us because he is, wants us. He is asking us to pray or use his name so he can do these mighty things. Now, I would like to invite you to write me the Living Savior Ministries at Post Office Box 35, Justin, Texas, 76247. Or you can call me for audio and video tapes, 940-242-2106. Or you can find us on the web and where all the uh, events where we're going to be teaching and we're out of town or somewhere almost every weekend uh, teaching the Word of God or sometimes even during the week. But all of those events you can find us at www.tlsm.org. And there you can get our email. And so uh, we would also invite you to our church, the Living Savior Church in North Dallas at 10921 Shady Trail. And we start every Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Now that's 10921 Shady Trail in North Dallas. We start at 2 p.m. Come and expecting a miracle from our Lord. He is a great and mighty king. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Thurman Scrivener again today. We're continuing to talk about prayer this week. Let's come to the Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we want to worship you and praise you and thank you for this beautiful, glorious day. Now, Father, as your word goes out today, I ask you to reveal it to every person that hears it. I ask you to burn it into their hearts and their minds that they may lock it in so that they can retain it, so they can learn how to get their prayers answered. I just ask you to do a great and mighty work on each person by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Satan, I rebuke you and I command you to get your hands off of every man and woman, boy and girl, every demon of hell to be gone and go to the pit and not to steal a single word out of anybody's mind or heart. And I want to praise you, Father, and thank you for making them go and not letting them steal a single word away from us as your sons and daughters. We praise you and worship you and thank you for this beautiful day in the name of Jesus. Now then, uh, on this uh, uh, problem that we were talking about here yesterday, we were talking about some of these magnificent, awesome promises that the Lord has made there. In fact, uh, uh, John 14, 13 and 14, the Lord clearly says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. 
that's John 15:7. I meant to say John 15:7. Uh, John 14:13 and 14 says, "If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it." Now those are pretty awesome promises. And so, if the Lord can make a statement like that to us, and then turn over in John 16:23 and 24 and say, "Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you." Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, but ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Now, all these promises I've just read are in John 14, 13, and 14, John 15 and 7, and John 16, 23, and 24. And just to give you an idea what you can do with those verses. Now, yesterday I made a comment about this, but I'm going to tell you what i just done with these three sets of verses in the last six months. Just a couple of the things. Not by all means, I'm not going to tell you everything. But in John 14, 13, and 14, I used those two verses to pray over a little three-year-old girl that had her face tore all to pieces in an automobile accident and literally saw in two weeks' time, a face that was so cut up and bruised, completely healed without even a scar or a mark on this little girl's face. The Lord did an awesome thing there. And then John 15:7, I asked him to restore a severed brain stem, and he did. And the little girl is normal. Now then, yesterday, I used John 14:13 and 14, to command an evil spirit to leave a seven-year-old girl that could hardly talk and heard her pray the most beautiful prayer of salvation right after that without a single stutter in her voice. Her mother and her grandmother both were very surprised. But that's some of the things you can do. Now with this uh, John 16:23 and 24, I took that mighty prayer of verses and I asked the Father in the name of Jesus to raise up a little six-year-old girl that had two broken pelvics and to do a supernatural healing on her and restore her and let it be done in such a way that everybody would know that it was him that done it. And within two and a half weeks, that little girl was back in school running and playing. The doctor said it should have taken at least two to three months minimum for this little girl to even walk, much less run and play. So that'll just give you some kind of an idea what you can do with these mighty promises. But you have to believe God. Now, if you don't believe Him, He won't do them for you. So when you speak these mighty things in prayer, believing, He says, you shall receive these things. Now, these these mighty promises that... God give us here. These promises are absolutely awesome, unconditional promises. Now, when I use this term, that I mean that there's no conditions or attached, which constitutes a hedge on God's part. In other words, there are no conditions which are not fair or which are not within the reasonable capacity of a truly dedicated child of God to get your answer. Now, I'll going to have to throw something else in here for a lot of people. Don't come to God with these mighty promises and read them and then go ask Him to give you a brand new Cadillac. That's not what He meant. Don't come to God and ask Him to do something mighty for you if you're living in sin. And if you're not going to church, you're not giving the Lord your tithe into His ministry, or you're using His name in vain, or you're living in sin, then don't come and ask God to do something on behalf of these mighty promises because I guarantee you they will not work for you. He demands his children to be obedient to him and walk in obedience to his word. Now, when you walk in obedience to God's word, you're walking in a love relationship between him and you and your brothers, your other sisters, I'm talking about men and women, uh, not a physical brother or sister, but those also. If you're walking in a love relationship, 
and you're being obedient to God's Word, then you can come and ask Him what you want, and He'll do it for you. But uh, uh, lots of people will say, well, if I can ask anything, well, gee, I'm going to ask Him to let him let me win the lottery. Well, first of all, you shouldn't even be playing the lottery because that's a waste of uh, money, and if you're God's child, that's definitely not being a good steward playing the lottery. I'm going to tell you that no Christian child of God, no child of the king, should ever buy a lottery ticket. That's not what God planned for you to do with your money. He planned for you to go give it to the poor or something. You'll get a whole lot better return on your money if you're going to gamble that money away by giving it to the lottery. If you'll go down the street and find some person that needs some help and either buy them a dinner or do something or give that money to them or go buy them something they need and then tell them you give it to them in the name of the Lord, the return on that money will be great. But if you give it to the lottery, chances are you won't get anything back. But anyway, these mighty promises that God made us here, these promises, you know, it, they're all conditional around abiding in Him and His words abiding in you. And if you do that, then any sincere, born-again believer, it, it is possible for you to get your prayers answered. Now then, uh, if, if God is not hedging on any of these promises, then the entire responsibility for prayerlessness or ineffective prayers falls entirely upon us, the church. Now, that is the problem, absolutely. But most people don't pray. You try to get a group of people to come pray for you for a miracle for somebody. There's very few of them will take off and come pray. Say Sunday afternoon you've got a little blind girl, and you call your church together and say, let's meet down at the church at 2 o'clock this afternoon, and we're going to pray and expect God to open this blind girl's eyes. How many people do you think you could get together? Well, how many of them would come praying expecting God to open her eyes? I'm going to tell you not very many. But I'm going to tell you just on January the 6th of this year, 2002, I called a special prayer meeting in a church that had probably 400 people in it and probably 30 people out of that church came to that prayer meeting that afternoon and about 10 people from other churches that I had invited. But there was about 40, maybe, maybe 40, 35 or 40 people in that prayer meeting. And we met, and we prayed for a little blind girl. And we stood on God's promises, and we worshipped Him and praised Him and thanked Him, and we prayed two hours. And in three weeks, that little girl could see again. I'm telling you, God answers prayers. But he answers them only if you pray them in faith and only if you're willing to pray. Now then, how many people do you know that have tremendous needs in the church today? People that are sick or afflicted or blind or living in poverty or whatever, and nobody will ever meet to have a special prayer meeting to pray and stand on these mighty promises, worshiping the king for his promises and believing it's done. Now then, if you will pray in faith, you will see our Lord do great and mighty things for you. Now then, if you ask in the name of the Lord, and it is not something that you are fully devoted or believe can norm, you can normally do, then again, God is hedging. But God is not hedging. He is dealing honorably. Therefore, the responsibility for prayerlessness or unanswered prayer must fall entirely and completely upon us, the church. The scheme of prayer, as far as God is concerned, is watertight. His part is already done. While he's promised to answer is always circumscribed by his will, this is in no Sense a hedge since any truly yielded child of God never will never ask for anything except God's will. 
In other words, there is no fine print in God's prayer contract. The Lord, in fact, when you get a hold of Second Corinthians five or Second Corinthians chapter one verse twenty, it says over in Second Corinthians chapter one verse twenty, no matter how many promises God made in His Word, in Christ, the answer to every one of His promises is yes every time. So with those kind of promises, if you're not willing to pray, you got a problem. If there's anything you need, if you'll do it in faith, God will meet that need for you. Now then, I'd like to invite you to write me at the Living Savior Ministries Post Office Box 35, Justin, Texas, 76247. Or you can call me for audio and video tapes on these teachings at 940 2106. Or you can get us on the web at www.tlsm.org. TLSM.org. There you can get us on our email. You can get to us, find out where all of our events, where we're going to be speaking, and all those things. Also, we'd like to invite you out to the Living Savior Church every Sunday afternoon at 10 921 Shady Trail in North Dallas. And we start at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon and usually go until about 4. And we pray for the sick and we see God do wonderful things. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Thurman Scrivener again today with the Living Savior Ministries. Let's come to the Heavenly Father. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for this beautiful, glorious day that you have made. We thank you that you're our Lord, our God, our Savior, our Healer, our Provider, our Deliverer. You're our everything. You have provided us with everything. All things are ours, you've told us and showed us in the Word of God. Now, Lord, today as the Word goes out, I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus to reveal these mighty truths to your church that the church may begin to learn how to pray and pray in faith, or that they can get mighty answers to their prayers. And Satan, I rebuke you, and I command you not to steal a word out of the mind or heart of a single person that's listening today. And Lord, I worship you and praise you and thank you for your mighty word. Oh, praise you, Lord. We worship you as the word goes out today in the name of Jesus. Now, we're continuing to talk today, uh, as this week, about prayer, the mystery of prayer. And what is these mighty promises that God has made us? Now then, the entire responsibility for prayerlessness or ineffective prayer falls entirely upon us, the church. Now, if asking in the name of the Lord Jesus is not something that any fully devoted believer can normally do, then God is hedging. But God is not hedging. He is dealing honorably. That's the only thing he can do. Therefore, the responsibility for prayerlessness or unanswered prayer must fall upon us. The scheme of prayer, so far as God is concerned, is absolutely watertight. His part is already done. While His promise to answer is always circumscribed by His will, this is in no sense a hedge since any truly yielded child of God never wills anything but God's will. You're not going to ask for silly things as a born-again, spirit-filled child of the King. You're going to ask things that are the Spirit's will because the Spirit is in you. You're not going to ask for crazy things. It's just not going to happen. Not if you're truly a born-again, spirit-filled son or daughter of the King of the universe. What you ask for in prayer will always be the will of the Father because the Word will be in you. In other words... There is no fine print in God's prayer contract. God's offer of his scepter to redeemed humanity is, therefore, a bona fide offer. It is an offer in good faith. Through the plan of prayer, God actually is inviting redeemed man into full partnership with him. Not in making the divine decisions, but in implementing those decisions in the affairs of humankind. Now, independently and of his own will, God makes the decisions governing the affairs of earth. The responsibility 
an authority for the enforcement and administration of those decisions he has placed upon the shoulders of his church. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. And listen to this magnificent promise in Matthew 16. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Think of that magnificent promise. Isn't that an awesome promise the Lord has given us? Now, this promise is repeated to the church in general in Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then this magnificent promise in Luke 10, 19. This is one of the most awesome promises when I finally got a hold of this. Wow, what I've done with this verse ever since I realized what this says. Jesus was speaking. And this is Luke 10, 19 and 20. If you don't have this set of verses locked into your spirit, you need to lock these in because with these you can do damage to the devil's kingdom. Listen to what our Lord told us. Behold. I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Now, of course, the serpent is the devil, and the scorpions are his demons. And over all the power of the enemy. Isn't that awesome? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the evil spirits have to be subject to you, but rather be thankful that your name is written in heaven. Isn't that an awesome promise that the Lord gave to us, the church? I mean, that is a mighty promise. I mean, with that, you can get, you can kick any devil out with that verse. He's given you all power over them and promised you they shall in no wise hurt you. And I get so amazed at the church. We just lay down and let the devil run over us. He comes in to make us sick and afflict us or to steal our children, to put them on drugs. And we go off crying somewhere and said, Oh, God, where are you? Well, I'm going to tell you where he's at. He's in heaven where he's always been. And he left you this word. And he left you all this power. And all you got to do is believe this mighty book. And I guarantee you can kick any devil of hell out of anybody with this book. When these promises, if you'll believe God. That Luke 10:19 and 20 is an awesome promise. Listen to that again. Jesus is speaking, Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on serpents or Satan and his scorpions, his demons, and over all the power of the enemy, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the evil spirits have to be subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name's written in heaven. We should be rejoicing because our names were written in heaven. But he said that these demons, Satan and these demons, have to be subject to us. What does it mean for an enemy to be subject to you? It means you take the word of God and you speak to him. You command him to leave you in the name of Jesus. And you don't try to do anything in the kingdom. You do it. If the Lord told you he's given you all power, you don't try to cast out a demon. You kick him out. In the name of Jesus. And if you will do that by faith, you will begin to speak to your problems, speak to your fears, speak to your anxieties, and you will notice a fleeing Satan. Oh, what a glorious day when I got a hold of these verses. And then he says here, And as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Now think about that. As the Father has sent Jesus, even so, Jesus sends you and I. He sends us out with the same power, the same authority, the same Holy Spirit to do the same things that he did. And we in the church have literally failed miserably because we've not done what our king said. Listen to this great promise in John twenty twenty one through 23. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, what in the world does that mean? Now, I'm going to tell you in John 20, 21 to 23, this is an awesome promise. Now, after the removal 
of his bodily presence from among them. His followers, he, his followers must be his representatives. We must take his place. Now, this is the apostles' commission and ours. We are his proxies with power of eternity to do his bidding. As the Father has sent me, even so send I you, can mean nothing less than that we are his deputies with full authority to enforce the divine will and program. Now, the, the deputy is invested with the full power of the office of his chief and is fully authorized to act in his stead. Now, the question is, why did God choose to work within the framework of this system of prayer? Why did he place the full responsibility for the enforcement and administration of the divine government of earth and its affairs upon the shoulders of fallen but redeemed humanity? Why will he do nothing in earthly affairs apart from the cooperation of his church? While we rightly reject all these ideas that the Pope is the man, God's man on earth, have we not failed to act upon the sweeping authority God has delegated to his corporate body in the world? And that authority to implement the will and decisions of God concerning earthly affairs operates solely within the framework and system of prayer which God has ordained. By God's own decree, all of this vast delegated authority is wholly inoperative apart from the prayers of man. Because we learned earlier this week in Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that if man didn't pray, God was not going to do anything. Why did God do this? Why in the world has he done this? Now, God had something infinitely great in mind when he planned this system of prayer. God's eternal purpose in the creation of the universe and the human race was to obtain an eternal companion for his son. This fact is a part of the mystery revealed in the book of Ephesians, reaching its illuminating climax in chapter 5. This chapter expounds the divinity, divinely revealed parallel between God's human and divine marriage program. Now, this is absolutely awesome. Now, this, in this a few verses here in Ephesians, we will see the mystery when Paul uh, declares that the partners in the marriage program are Christ and his church. Now, when you read there about man and about the marriage relationship, you'll see that he is literally talking in this oneness about this marriage program, which are Christ and his church. Now, in God's eternal purpose, the church, as Christ's eternal companion, is to occupy the highest position in the universe short of the Godhead itself. Now, as the bride of the eternal Son, she is to share with her universal sovereignty. Now, don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge and govern the world? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge and reward the very angels in heaven? Because that's written for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Isn't that amazing what the Lord has done for us? I know that for years I didn't have no idea what was rightfully mine as a son of God, but I am learning. And we're going to continue on talking about this tomorrow. Now then, I'd like to invite you to write me. I've got full teachings on these things. Uh, the Living Savior Ministries, Post Office Box 35, Justin, Texas, 76247. Uh, or call me at 940-242-2106. Or you can get to us on the web at www.tlsm.org. And there you can find out where we're going to be, where we're going to be speaking, all of our out-of-town engagements and, and the addresses and where to get there and so forth. We'd invite you to our church, the Living Savior Church, every Sunday afternoon at 10-921 Shady Trail in North Dallas. We start at 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And I'd like to invite you to my healing school. The second Saturday of every month, we start at 1 p.m. It's at the Believer's Worship Center at 737 Treadwell Drive in Hearst, Texas. Come expecting the Lord to do great and mighty miracles in Jesus' name.
Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Thurman Scrivener again today with the Living Savior Ministry. Let's come to the Father. Heavenly Father, we worship you, Lord, and we praise you and thank you that you are the King of the universe, but that you're our Lord and our God and our provider and our Savior and our healer, and you're our everything. You are all things to us, Father, in the name of Jesus Thank you, Father, for the mighty name of Jesus that we have to use down here on this earth. We worship you and we praise you and we thank you for that mighty name. Now then, as the word of God goes out today, I ask you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, to quicken this word to the hearts and minds of your people, of your church. And Lord, those that are hearing the word today that are not a member of your church, I rebuke you, Satan. I command you to get your hands off of them. And, Father, I ask you to begin to convict them of sin and draw them into the kingdom of God and save every human being that hears this word today that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, Satan, I rebuke you, and I command you to keep your hands off of every man and woman that hears the word today and does not steal a single word out of their mind and heart. And I want to praise you and thank you, Father, for doing great and mighty things with your word in the name of Jesus. Now, we're continuing to talk about prayer and the great and mighty things that prayer can do for us. Now, yesterday I was talking a little bit about 1 Corinthians chapter 6 there. I'm going to uh, read that scripture again today to start off. And the Word of God says, Don't you realize that we Christians will judge and reward the very angels in heaven? And, and it says, Don't you know that someday we're going to judge and govern the world? Now, think about what that says. We Christians are going to judge the world. We're going to judge the angels. It, it's, it's, that is an awesome thing that to think that the angels have to be so, subject to us in the name of Jesus. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful. When you learn these things, you can call an angel in and get him to do all kinds of things for you when you really believe God. I've seen them do great and mighty things for me. In fact, I might just tell you a little story right here, what I did knowing all these things. Here about six, seven, eight years ago, I live out in the country on a farm, and I've uh, got several acres of land, and I've got some cows, and I, had a, I didn't have a bull with my cows, so there was a bull next door uh, that broke the fence down and came in. Great big 1,500-pound bull. I didn't want that bull in there with my cows. My son and I went down. We'd done everything we knew to do to try to get that big monster out of our pasture, and he would not leave those cows. He wanted to stay with those cows. We chased him with a pickup. We chased him on foot. We threw rocks at him. We did everything for an hour. And there was no way we could get him out of that herd of cows. Finally, my son said, Dad, there's no way we're going to get that bull out of here. I said, Son, we got help that you don't know about. He said, What do you mean? I said, Jesus, whenever he said he could ask his father for 12 legions of angels and he would send them immediately, I said, John 14:12. he told us we could do anything he could do, even greater things. So I said, I'm going to stand on that verse. I said, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, send me a, a big, beautiful angel. I said, Angel, I said, won't you run over and grab that bull by the nap of the neck, and I want you to lead him out of that herd of cows. I want you to lead him straight across there where I'm pointing my finger to that fence. Then I want you to turn him north down that fence line, take him right down there about a quarter mile where I got that gate open, and take him through that gate, and I'll come down there and close the gate. I said, Thank you, Father, for your angel. I said, thank you, angel, for doing what I tell you to do in the name of Jesus. I said, let's get him, son. We started toward that herd of cows. That bull's head come up. He walked out of that herd of cows, walked just as straight where I pointed my finger, walked over that fence, turned north, went right down there, walked, never looked back, walked right in that gate and walked right into that other pasture. And I went down there and closed the gate. And my son says, Dad, if I hadn't have seen that with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. Well, I said, son, that's what's wrong with us. We don't believe God's Word. He makes us the promises. He tells us what we can do. We just go along defeated in life because we don't believe the mighty Word of the living God. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, when the Word of God says you're going to judge the world as sons and daughters of the King of the universe and you're going to judge angels, We'll start finding you some scriptures that guarantees you can do these things and then start acting on them in faith. Start doing some things in faith. When you start praying in faith, when you start taking the name of Jesus and using it in faith, you will see the Lord do some great and mighty things. 
And then I want you to listen to this great and mighty uh, promise he said here in Second Timothy 2.12. He said, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. In other words, on the earth, we can reign with the Lord. And, and he also made us another awesome promise there in Revelations 2. He said, and he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power or authority over the nations. Think about what he's going to do for us. I mean, we're king's kids. We're going to reign and rule with the king of the universe forever. And he said also there in Revelations 3.21, that's another one of my favorite verses. I quote that real often. To him that overcometh will I grant to set with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Do you ever think about what that really means to sit with the king in his throne, but that's worth fighting for. That's worth being an overcomer. That's worth reading this book and studying it and learning how to be an overcomer. And if you will do that, you will see the Lord do great and great and mighty things. And and I'm telling you, when you learn this, then you can sing a new song. You can sing that song saying, Thou art worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Praise God. That's written in Revelation 5, 9. Now then, redeemed members of the human race, the only race in all creation that was made in the image of God, will constitute this eternal companion. Since this companion is to share the throne of the universe with her lover and Lord, she must be trained, educated, and prepared for her queenly role. Now then, by delegating his power to her for administrating his decisions and enforcing his will upon earth, God placed the church in apprenticeship for eternal sovereignty with Christ by practicing in her prayer closet the enforcement of heaven's decisions in all these wonderful affairs the church is doing on the job training for co-sovereignty with Christ over his universal empire. I think about as I have studied and learned how to do things in the mechanical and the engineering world. You get all this book learning, and then you go out and you do on-the-job training, and you learn how these mighty things work. And it is awesome when you learn these things. But this is more awesome to do on-the-job training with the king of the universe, to begin to pray in faith, begin to speak in his name, and expect the Lord to do great and mighty things. You know, we, as we have learned on-the-job training, we must learn the art of spiritual warfare also, of overcoming evil forces in preparation for our uh, getting ready, you know, for the to set with the Lord on the throne. And that's what we're going to do following the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, to enable us, the church, to learn the techniques of overcoming God, in His awesome wisdom, devised the scheme of prayer. To give us, the church, on-the-job training, God delegated to her, the church, the authority to enforce His will right here on earth in order to enable us, you and me, to acquire the character and the know-how we will need as co-sovereigns with Christ. He has placed upon you and I the responsibility and an authority to enforce God's will and administer His decisions in the affairs of earth. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? Notice how often earth is mentioned here in this action, uh, you know, in all of this action we've read about. Think about this. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth. In Matthew eighteen nineteen, If two of you shall agree on earth 
Now, I've taken that mighty ver- those verses. I have taken Matthew 18, 19, and I have literally seen people almost that were on their deathbeds. I have taken that prayer and prayed that prayer and used that and seen our King raise people up off their deathbeds that were already terminal, that already had life support removed from them. I have seen Him heal them and raise them up and in a matter of just a few minutes or a few hours, and I've seen Him do great and mighty things with these things. Now, this delegation of authority and administrative responsibility for earthly affairs constitutes the highest honor, the very highest honor, that, and it will elevate us to the highest rank of all created beings. Now, no angel nor archangel will ever achieve this rank. Never. Because no angel, no angels, only redeemed humanity alone is qualified by original creation in the image and likeness of God to constitute the bride and to share the bridegroom's throne. Think about what we're going to get to do as sons and daughters of the king. You know, it may seem irreverent, but it is nevertheless true that God cannot exalt redeemed humanity any higher in the divine economy without infringing about the Godhead itself. Well, we must understand that infinity separates the Creator from the created, yet from the beginning God planned in Jesus Christ so completely to bridge this gap that redeemed humanity ends up as a full-blooded member of the family of God, seated with Christ on the throne of the universe as his bride and companion. Think of that. To him that overcometh will I grant to set with me in my throne. Revelation 3.21. Isn't that a magnificent promise? So whatever you do, study, prepare, and learn how to do these mighty things and learn how to pray and see God do great and mighty things in the name of Jesus. Now, I would like to invite you to write me. I have uh, uh, two 90-minute tapes on this entire teaching. Uh, the tall, Why Are We Here? That's the name of these two tapes. Two 90-minute teachings on this entire thing I've been talking about this week. And I'd be happy to send you those tapes. The Living Savior Ministry, Box 35, Justin, Texas, 76247. Or you can call me at 940-242-2106. 940-242-2106. Or you can get to us on the web and find all these things at www.tlsm.org. We'd like to invite you to our church every Sunday afternoon at the Shady, uh, 10921 Shady Trail in North Dallas. We start 2 p.m to 4 p.m. every Sunday afternoon. Come expecting to do, see the Lord do a miracle for you. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is Thurman Scrivener again today with the Living Savior Ministries. We're talking about prayer and what it means this week. So let's come to the Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you and praise you and thank you for having the privilege to come boldly into the throne room of God with our request. And my request is today, as this word goes out, may you strike it in the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl that will hear it. May you open it to them and reveal it to them so that they will begin to understand the great and mighty things they can do as sons and daughters of the King of the universe. And Father, I rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus, and I command that he not steal a word out of anybody's mind or heart today. And, Father, I just praise you and thank you as the word goes out. May you use it mightily for your kingdom today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now then, as we continue on talking about this mighty uh, plan of prayer that God has put in there, I'm going to tell you that this plan of prayer that we've talked about all week was absolutely no afterthought. It was God's plan from all eternity. He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, because He told us that in Ephesians 1.4. Now, this was God's original purpose in the creation of the universe and the human race. And God's prayer program is His method of preparing the bride for her future queenly role. Now, 
This is why God never goes over the head of his church to enforce his decisions. You know, you hear all kinds of people say, well, if God's in control, he sure got this place in a mess. Well, I'm going to tell you, God is ultimately in control, but he's left the control of the earth to the church and to our prayers and our prayers of faith. And when I began to learn this, it changed the way I prayed and it changed my answers. And I began to see mighty, mighty answers to prayer when I learned to do everything in prayer. Now, the Lord himself will not take things out of our hands as the church. To do so, would it sabotage his training program? Now, only by bearing this overwhelming weight of responsibility can we, the church, be brought to full stature as co-sovereign of the universe. This is why when we fail, he will wait. This is why God will do nothing in the realm of human redemption until the church accepts her responsibility and uses her privileges and her prerogatives of intercession. Now, if you don't pray for your loved ones, if you don't intercede for them, and you don't ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the laborers into the harvest to bring those people in, you will get no one saved. Now, that is a sad state of affairs, because I'm going to tell you, nearly every church I've ever been in, every one I've ever spoken in, very few people in any church has ever led a person into the kingdom of God. We have not done our praying. We have missed it, folks. We have not learned how to pray. This week, I brought a whole family into the kingdom of God. It's just wonderful to see the Lord do these wonderful things. But when you start praying and you start walking in a demonstration of the Spirit's power, people will come to Christ. But now if you don't pray and you don't intercede, if you will not pray, God will not act because this would absolutely abort His purpose to bring His church to her full potential as His co-sovereign. Now this was God's plan from the beginning. He will not spoil it now by taking things out of the hands of the church. He will absolutely let the world go to destruction first. His part of the work of redemption is full and complete, but he will not override his church. His eternal purpose is the qualifying of his eternal companion for entering into full partnership with our Lord in the governing process of the universe. We as a church can be qualified only through the apprenticeship of prayer and intercession. Only, only thus does she learn to enter into and participate in the eternal purpose of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, God will do nothing apart from his church and the prayers and intercessions of the church. Now, God will do nothing but in answer to prayer. Now, if you don't pray, you know, if, if you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. Now, the greatest thing that you can do for God and for man is to pray. You know, I'm going to tell you that you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. So if you don't pray about things, you're not going to see God move in your life. And if you don't pray in faith, you're not going to see God move. But when you begin to pray in faith, believing our King, you will see His mighty hand move, and you will begin to see Him do great and mighty things after you have prayed. You know, uh, you know the prayer is absolutely striking the winning blow. Service is gathering up the results. In other words... As you pray, as you lay in bed in the morning like I do, I wake up in the wee hours of the morning and I worship the King. I praise Him and I thank Him. I may even get off the side of the bed on my knees or even down on my face on the floor. And I worship Him and praise Him and thank Him. And I call Him into remembrance of His promises. And I said, Lord, today I'm available. Use me for Your glory. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. Give me the boldness to proclaim Your mighty Word. And as I go and speak your word boldly, I ask you to confirm the bold, mighty teaching of your bold, mighty word with salvations and healings and signs and miracles and wonders following. 
just like they prayed in Acts 4. Now, that's in 429, but you might read that whole chapter 4 of the book of Acts. As those people prayed and prayed boldly, the place where they were praying were shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and done great and mighty things. Now, nothing happened until those people prayed. Now, prayer is absolutely striking the winning blow. And after you've done all that praying, then you go out and service will be gathering up the results. You will see people get saved. You'll see people get healed. You know, you'll see the Lord do great and mighty things. You'll see God begin to shape the world by your prayers. Because if we don't pray, nothing happens. Now, the more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. Now, the prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on His great work upon earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of His cause on prayer. If these things are true, and they most definitely are, then prayer should be the main business of every day for the church. You know, I think about, I used to have a safety deposit box in a bank. I don't have one anymore, but I used to have. And, you know, uh, I think about, like, checks. Uh, sometimes checks uh, by some business firms require the signatures of two individuals to make them valid. One signature is not enough. Both parties must sign. Now, this illustrates God's method of operating through the prayer and faith of His people. His promises are His checks signed in His own blood. His part was fully completed at Calvary. But no promise is made good until a redeemed man or woman enters the throne room of the universe and by prayer and faith writes his name besides God's. Then and not until then are the check resources released. Now then, it is absolutely like this safety deposit box that I just mentioned that I used to have in a bank vault. The keeper has a key and you have a key. Neither key alone will open the box. But when you give the keeper your key... She inserts both keys, and the door flies open, making available all the treasure stored in the box. Now, heaven holds a key by which decisions governing earthly affairs are made, but we hold a key by which those decisions are implemented. This being so, then prayer takes on a very different dimension from the conventional notion or understanding. Prayer is not overcoming reluctance in God. It is not persuading God to do something He is unwilling to do. It is binding upon earth that which already has been bound in heaven. Because He told us that in Matthew 16. It is exercising absolutely what you're doing. You're, it's implementing His decisions. It is enforcing His will upon the earth. Prayer makes possible God's accomplishing what He wants and what He cannot do without it. Now, the content of all true prayer originates in the heart of God. So it is He who inspires the prayer in the heart of man, and the answer to every God-inspired petition is already prepared before the prayer is uttered. When we are convinced of this, then faith for the answer is easy, far easier than it would be otherwise. But just think, no angel was ever invited to share this high privilege. No archangel was ever invited into the throne room of the universe. Only redeemed humanity. And many of us are too busy. Oh, goodness, I think about what we as Christians do. We watch television. We are out at the sports arena. You know, we're hunting. We're fishing. We're, we're out boating. You know, we're, we're farming or, or we're moonlighting or... We're, we're doing all kinds of things except what God wants us to do. We're doing everything to try to keep up with the new cars, the new homes, the new appliances, the new furniture, and so we don't have time to pray. I'm telling you that most people do not take time to pray, and that's why you don't ever see an answer to prayer. I'm going to tell you, when you take the Word of God and you start looking up some of these mighty promises in God's Word, and you start believing these promises are real, and you start praying in faith, believing God, you're going to start seeing the king do some great and mighty things. 
Now, when I learned these things a few years ago, I mean, that's just like whenever I uh, took Matthew eighteen nineteen, the prayer of agreement. That's an awesome promise. God says, and again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it will be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. I have used that promise. I have used that to get people's. I have used that to raise the dead. I have used that to take warts off of people. I've used that to take scars off of people. I have seen the Lord do awesome things with that mighty promise. I have seen Him do such awesome and mighty things. I'm going to tell you, folks, if you will start praying and praying in faith, you will see the King do great and mighty things. Now, I've got a three-hour teaching on this particular subject we've been talking about this week. And uh, I'd be happy to send it to you. If you would write me the Living Savior Ministries, Box 35, Justin, Texas, or give me a call, 940-242-2106. Or you can get to me on the web at www.tlsm.org. And there you can get our email at our website. We'd like to invite you to our church, the Living Savior Church, every Sunday afternoon at 10921 Shady Trail, North Dallas. We have church Sunday afternoon, so you can go to your own church Sunday morning and come out and listen to us teach the Word of God and see God do great and mighty miracles in this place and hear about many testimonies. We serve an awesome God. So I want to praise Him and thank Him. Come to see us and praise the Lord Jesus.